from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place with Cornelius, who was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee and out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddled clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Skip over quite a few different books to Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. If you go to slideshow and just hit from beginning on the top, you should be able to get it. Galatians 4, 4, that's the wrong one. <laughs> and when the fulfillment of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. I wonder just one more time we can just close our eyes and just ask God to bless the remainder of this service. Jesus, we glorify you. We praise your name above all names. And God, we acknowledge you in this place. We acknowledge you even within the distraction, even within the craziness of already a Sunday morning. But God, we know that you are in charge. We know that you have a plan that's far vast and beyond our plan. And we just pray, Lord, right now that you just bless the remainder of this service and help us, God, to worship you and praise you. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much, Sister Melinda, to do that. If you look in Matthew chapter 1 and, Ma and Luke chapter 3, thank you very much, you found it. And Luke chapter 3 You'll find these genealogies that most of us get really bored of. Um, we use as our uh, midnight reading to go back to sleep if we're having a tough night falling asleep. But there's actually power of understanding with the, within the genealogies themselves. I'm not going to read them, but I just want to reference them because we're going to discuss part of them. But I'm not going to go through all the reading of... Um, he beget who, and this beget that, and this was that, and all that. But it's important to use that as a reference point, because I'm going to go somewhere with it. But before I do, I just have a question for all of us. Have you ever missed something in your life? Not missed because it's gone, but missed it because you weren't there, or you were not looking at the right time. You weren't looking when you should have been looking. You know that part of the movie that was so hilarious, but you had just walked out of the room when it happened, and you missed it? Or that moment when your baby first walked or talked, but you weren't there to actually see it? Or maybe you missed that shooting star that someone pointed out, or the northern lights, and you just couldn't get out there in time to witness it? Am I the only one who's ever missed these things? Many Jews missed the birth of the Messiah. Yes, the Messiah, who was supposed to come and set those very Jews free. Deliver
deliver them from the Romans. He was going to restore what they had lost. However, Scripture testifies about the Messiah coming to die first before he came to destroy second. As the Jews were looking for a warrior God or warrior Messiah, God saw fit to first send his Messiah as a baby born in the filth of society, which was a barn. While the Jews were praying for the overthrow of the Roman government, God was sending wise men to bring gifts to this two-year-old. See, the Jews missed it. They missed the baby. They missed the birth of the Messiah. People did not have enough room in their home. Instead, they had to go find a barn just to have the Messiah. Right underneath the eyes of Judea and under Jerusalem and the Jews, their Messiah was born, but they were so busy with life and so busy trying to overthrow the government and so busy with the things around them that they had forgot about the promise of the Messiah. See, when you read the lineage in Matthew, you read the generations of those who served God and those who did not. And generations that were winning the wars and generations that were losing the wars and held captive. They go back and forth. But God always provided, catch this, a triumph of victory of the Jews over their enemies. The Egyptians were drowned in the Red Sea. Samson kills Philistines with animal jawbones. Gideon defeats the Midianites with glass and trumpets and a fire. And David cuts the head of the giant Goliath. It was a common way for God to take down the enemy of the Jews was to take them down through somebody else, through a warrior per se. Everybody say a warrior. But how many can look at a baby and see a warrior? That's not what his purpose was. That's not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to connect the Jews and the Gentiles. Understand something about the two genealogies in the Gospels. Again, I know it's boring reading. But if you actually look at it and study it, you actually get some incredible revelation. The Matthew's genealogy was to point to the, um, to the authority and the promise to Abraham. You'll find in that genealogy, it takes from Joseph's lineage, uh, the, his, his father, Joseph, his stepfather, Joseph, all the way to Abraham, which was the promise that the seed of Abraham would have power and sit on a throne, like David as well. It was to show the Jews who he was and that he had the authority and the hierarchy to stand in the position he did. But when you go to Luke, Luke was written by a Gentile. And Luke was written from, it went past Abraham and it goes all the way to Eve. And the reason why I went to Eve was to prove Jesus' deity or his, his humanity. And it was to fulfill the promise that through Eve's seed, that he would bruise the enemy's head. And that was speaking of Jesus. The genealogy has a point to why it goes through all those things. It was to put together the Jews and Matthew. It was put together the Gentiles and put us together. That it's not just about one nation anymore. It's about an entire world. An entire people that God had created. That he was trying to bring back to himself. Jesus' name and birth was a signal to a deeper deliverance from sin. Jesus' very name means deliverer, means sin, uh, forgiver of sin, deliverance from sin. God that, that, that takes our sin away, God our Savior. But not just the Jewish people, though. But it was meant for all of us. 
Jesus came to save and to restore true worship, which is what we've been discussing the last few weeks, and we're going to go into on Wednesday nights for a while, but we're talking about worship, and Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus came to save that which was lost. That is not meant to be a person. That is meant to be a situation. Um, a something which is worship. He came to restore worship to the one true God. And he does that through us by saving us. We were all lost worshipers until Jesus came and found us. Came and redeemed us and remade us. But catch this in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Everybody say fullness. The fullness of time. Fullness means a fulfilling of something. In other words, when, but when the time came to fulfill what God had promised, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. Notice woman and law, humanity and the Jewish tradition. The Israelites were waiting for a warrior and they missed it or they missed God's will. In other words, they missed the fulfillment of the Messiah. They were so busy praying their plans and will that they missed the will of the one who they prayed to. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves. Everybody say humble. humble. Everybody say humble. humble. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I want to point out something here about the word humble. Humble means we take a lower road in comparison to something we consider above us. In this case, God. See, when Jesus was in the garden, he said, please take this cup from me, as I can't bear it. It's too heavy for me. It's too much for me. But what did Jesus say? But not my will, but thine be done. Jesus humbled himself to the will of God. He said, I would love this thing to be removed from my life. I don't want to carry this weight of the cross. I don't want to go. But... That's my will. That's what I desire. But if that's not yours, Father, then let yours be done. I humble myself to yours. Humble prayers is not things that always work out in our way. We want to know how humble we are with our prayer. Then when we pray something and it doesn't happen the way we like it, we find out how humble we really are. Because it doesn't go the way we like it. But if we're truly humble to God, and we're going to obey his will. See, in this first part of our series that we're going into called His Story, we're touching on the birth of Christ. But the point of the birth of Christ, the question is, did we miss it? Did you miss it? Did you miss something that God was doing? Did you miss 
the purpose of the fulfillment that God had in this situation. The fullness of time. Did we miss it? Did we miss something that God is trying to do? I don't want to just talk just about a whole other Christmas story, which is great and wonderful, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into this and look in the context of it a little bit more. That it's about his birth, but it's not just about his birth, but it's about the fact that the Jews missed it. But I believe today there's things that we're missing with God's trying to do. Because we're trying to see things done the way we want them done. Jesus humbled himself to God's plan. And the Jews missed the birth because they were not humble. They were wanting it a certain way. They were wanting it a particular way. They were expecting a warrior to come. I don't blame them for thinking that because you look at the entire Old Testament, that's how God usually delivered them. But the thing is, is they were focused on that and they weren't willing to accept the Messiah standing in front of them. They stop and think about it. Jesus stands in the pulpit and the Bible says the Pharisees looked at him and said, I wonder if he'll heal today. I don't know about you, but if I had that much faith in somebody in a supernatural context, then they've got to be used by God. I mean, how many times you look at somebody and say, he's going to, I wonder if he's going to heal somebody today. I ain't talking about the doctor. I'm talking about someone just, man, I wonder if they're just going to lay hands on someone that's blind eyes are just going to open them. I wonder if someone that can't even walk is just going to get out of the wheelchair because that person just touched her. How many people you know you look at like that? These guys were sitting in their chairs and they were scoffing their nose and thumbing their nose at Jesus who they knew had the power of God. And they said, we refuse to see this as the Messiah. We refuse to acknowledge you as you are. He presented himself before them and showed them things. He said, the scriptures, they testify of me. Search them and you'll find out about who I am. And they asked the questions, plainly tell us who you are then. He says, there's no point in me telling you because you can't even tell when I've already told you already. It means that Jesus, the Jews, they missed the birth because they were not humble. It was about what they wanted and how they wanted it. Let's fast forward to 2020 so I can divide this church and everybody run away. <laughs> because I think I'm reading our mail. What if we as Americans are missing God's fulfillment and all this craziness that we have in our life in this world. Because we want COVID gone and the election to go a certain way. Listen, I don't want to miss what God is showing me through this time we're living in. I don't want to miss the fullness of this time. I don't want to miss what the Jews missed. It's about his story. I want to proclaim it in every season of my life. I want to proclaim his story, not so much my story. I want to be humble enough that if my plea isn't in his plan, hear me today, then I'm able to redirect myself towards his will. I'll say that again. I want to be humble enough that if my plea isn't his plan, then I am able to redirect towards his will. What a fear because of COVID is what is necessary for the next apostle Paul to come to Jesus. You ever stop and think about that? What if this whole crazy thing is necessary for revival? What if it's needed to bring somebody particular to God? What if the purpose of the election 
or the pandemic is so the atmosphere is primed and ready for true apostolic revival that's found in the very word of God where God will pour out his spirit on all flesh and that God there won't be respecter of persons that you'll see Democrats and Republicans and you'll see people from Europe and Canadians and black and white and brown and yellow and everybody all together in one place and not care about each other's ideologies and are just focused on his story because it's about his glory not mine what if it's all within his plan what if this is the fullness of time for the revival of Bemidji that God has spoken of I don't want to miss it because I'm so busy praying my will I don't want to be like the Jews that stood there and their Messiah was born and they missed it They missed his birth. They missed what they were prophetically spoken was going to happen because they were so busy praying their will that they weren't humble enough to see his will. Oh, that could preach. I want to be busy telling about his story. Listen, yesterday we celebrated the life of a great man, Samuel Douglas Kaywood, a.k.a. also known as Kelly Kaywood. And his story is an amazing testament of what God can do with a four-time convicted felon that was turned into a lifetime champion for Jesus. And I tell others about his story, but the point of his story, my friend Kelly, is to proclaim his story, Jesus. I don't tell his story in order to make him look greater and he'd tell me to his face he wouldn't want me to do that. I tell his story so I could talk about his story, about what he did for him and what he did for me and what he can do for everyone else. That's about his story. It's about him. It's not about me. I want to talk about God's story. I want to talk about his birth. That his birth was meant so people can be saved. It was not meant for some kind of our country. To... Can I just put, I have to put this silly disclaimer out there. I just have to do it. I have to do it every single time. Because I know how sometimes we work our minds. Oh, pastor's saying, don't, don't, you know, we, we're not supposed to pray about the election and how we want it to go and what we feel God is doing. We're not supposed to pray that, that Biden gets sick and the famine goes away. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is pray that, but also have the prayer of Jesus. If that's not your will to take this away, then I want to be about your will. That's what I'm trying to say. It's about being about his will. I don't want to miss his will because I was caught up in mine. Yeah. what I wanted to see done. That's not what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I want to be, I believe that's what God is trying to tell us. Listen, I've had this series in my mind forever. I haven't really studied it until last night. And I was shocked that it was going this direction. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is there. Wow, it's right in the word. It's right here. They missed his will on his birthday when they should have been seeking this, seeking happy birthday to Jesus. Instead, they were seeking, oh my, I wish the governor would get away. I, I wish the Romans would stop uh, uh, persecuting us. I wish we'd have our own nation. I wish God would come down and do this. But at the same time, God is over there being born in flesh, and they should have been over there singing happy birthday and celebrating Christmas. But instead, they were so focused on their will. Kind of. Reminds me of what Christmas is today. It's at the end. It's about turning this thing into being about Jesus. So what have been your prayers these last few months? I know it's a hard question to ask. And I ask myself. Listen. This is definitely not one of those sermons I stand ever preaching. As I'm thumbing my nose and I'm better than all. No. This sermon is just as much for me as it is for you. 
How has your walk grown since March? What cup are you willing to drink of since November 3rd? Listen, I'm going to tread where no one wants to tread. If I voted for Biden, am I willing to drink the cup of a Trump presidency if this whole thing turns that way? If I voted for Trump, am I willing to drink the cup of a Biden presidency or Harris presidency if Biden holds on? Am I willing to drink that cup? Am I willing to say, okay, God, if this isn't your plan, am I willing to drink his cup and say, then what is your plan in this process? If I choose not to vote or voted for neither, am I willing to drink the cup of either? Not trying to be poetic and rhyme. Just flowed that way. Does it sound like your prayers? God, take away COVID. God, put so-and-so in the White House. That sounds probably like my prayer. God, remove this, remove that, put person there, put person there, and, and do all this. But I don't stop and say, God, am I missing your will, though? What if this is not your will? What if your will is I'm going to go through this? If there's something through the process. Listen, we're not going to go through COVID again. It might be another pandemic down the road, but it's not going to be this one. What if we're missing certain things God's trying to do before this vaccine's here? What if during this crazy election and just during these two months of nobody knowing who's going to be in the White House, what if there's something you are supposed to learn during this time? What if there's somebody you're supposed to reach during this time? What if there's an open door during this time? And we're so busy praying our will that we're missing it. Pastor, are you saying God doesn't want us to pray these things? No, like I said earlier, I'm not. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. But the passage is in the same very Bible that you hold on to. That passage also, there's another part in the Bible that says, don't pray amiss, as James said. Don't pray against God's will. Ensure that what you're praying for is within God's will. And that's why Jesus did what he did. That's why he said, what he said, I need a drink of my huge water bottle. I don't find, listen, I don't find anywhere in the book of Acts, church, or any of the apostles praying for famines to go away. I don't find them in the Bible. I don't find them praying about certain leaders being removed from certain positions. I don't read it. No, instead, I read the early church rejoicing because they were pure persecuted for his name's sake. Why? Because of, instead of pleading their storyline that they wanted, they pleaded his story. And Peter and John proclaimed Jesus, not COVID, not Biden, not Trump, not a Democrat or Republican. No, they proclaimed Jesus. That's who they proclaimed, and they got persecuted for that. But God delivered them from that persecution, and they rejoiced that they were persecuted for his namesake. They told his story. Paul sat in jail cells and wrote letters about submitting to government authorities. Catch this. And even having the audacity to say God put them there. And this was written at the time Nero was the ruler of Rome and he was killing Christians. That's in your Bible, book of Romans. Respect and submit to those in authority, those in government positions. God has placed them there to exercise judgment. And he's writing this when Nero is in the throne of Rome and killing Christians. I don't hear him pleading, God, remove Nero. Never. 
saying we don't pray the prayer, but I'm saying to you in church, please listen. I don't want to be like Jesus in this aspect. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying in the name of Jesus. I'm saying in this, in this context of the scriptures where they missed the Messiah because they were so caught up in their world and their will and their distractions. They missed the very birth that was prophetically spoken of. And all you see there is a bunch of farm animals Joseph and a shepherd. The wise men come later. I know the nativity scene shows them there right away, but that's not biblical. They show up when he's like two years old. The point is, is we I don't want us to get so caught up. I don't want us to miss what God is trying to do in the season that we're living in. I want to be open to it. I want to be mindful. We need to exercise our God-given rights as our Americans, but I am a Christian first before I'm an American. I'll do everything I can do, but I'm not going to subject everything about my walk with God to that, and I'm not going to ignore God's will because it went against my ideology, it went against what I thought should have happened. I want to be humble enough to put my story aside and tell his story. Listen, if you're new to this thing, if you're watching this online or something, I want to encourage you this morning. The purpose of his birth was for you. He came to save us from our sins and to restore us back to our created purpose to worship him in spirit and in truth. There's something about worshiping the one true God and what it does to our relationship. It connects us closer to him who created us. It helps us understand that, listen, there, there's, you stop to think about missionaries. I'm just thinking about a missionary right now. They, they leave their American life, freedom of religion, freedom of all these things. And they answer the call of God to go to a communist country that will kill you because you have a Bible. You know what I hear them praying? God, I don't know if I want to go to that, but if this is your will, I will throw my rights down because listen, the book of Hebrews tells us we are strangers in this land. We are pilgrims here. We are aliens to this world. This is not our home. What Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were able to do, the great patriarchs, the Bible says they were always looking to him who is the builder and maker. He is the builder and maker of where they're going to live. They considered themselves strangers in this land. They considered themselves pilgrims in this land. They did not consider this world theirs. Their world was a different place, was a different world. And if we get our mindset on his world, then he will help us fall in line with this world. There are some things, folks, that have to happen in this world. I'm not going to get into all that revelation stuff right now. Some of you already been going through Bible study for it. But the point I want to just make is that there are things that are going on that are a part of the process. The Antichrist has to come. The situation in this world has to open up eventually for the Antichrist to come and reign. There's got to come a time for all this stuff to happen so the judgment will fall. We've got to realize that we might not have the America we want, and maybe we will have the America we want. I don't know. All I know is I want to tell his story and be about his will and not always my will. Yes. Listen, I, I, I thought anybody here that just by myself, you, you want a million dollars? You know? Pay, pay off that. Am I the only one that ever prays, God, will you help me pay my bills? Help me get that job promotion? Right? We, pay, we, we pray those prayers. 
Are you telling me every single time you prayed it, it happened? No. There's times it did. And you rejoiced and excited. There's times it didn't. And you weren't even know what was going on. That's what this scenario is. We pray according to what we feel is God's will. But at the same time, we come back like Jesus said, God, don't let my feelings get in the way of your will. I want to be about your will if it's this way and not that way. I don't want to miss it. I don't want his birth just to be another birth. I want it to be something that I take and I go and I proclaim his story to this world so that they know that he died for them. So with the first part of this series about his story, I want us to consider what would happen if we begin to pray our will along with his will. And we're willing to change it. I wonder if our prayers wouldn't just fit our mold, but we would begin to pray according to his mold. I believe we would handle our circumstances a whole much, a whole lot better. We would proclaim his story so much more. I'm coming in for a landing here. I'm thankful for what God wants to do in this place. I'm thankful that God has a plan for us. I'm thankful that through all the craziness, I'm thankful. See, this is what's crazy, folks. I don't know how many times I've read the story of the birth of Christ. And the genealogist went on to get to something else. I don't know how many times I've read it. amazing how God has taken his time and applied it to today. Don't ever let anybody fool you to think that this thing is so old-fashioned and outdated. It's not outdated. It's still so relevant. Think again about the story of the Christmas story 2,000 years ago and how society was going on at that time. They were caught up. Listen, they were going through a census at this time, and that's actually a big deal. They have to like show up places and, and they have to go places and it is a big deal because it opens people's taxes. Which I don't think that's gonna affect too much. My point is is that that story can literally fit in 2020 in our chaotic society and crazy world. Pandemics, wars. told you about the genealogies. I said there's power in them. I know it's boring. But what's crazy is the particular genealogy of Matthew. An unusual part of the genealogy of Matthew was the mentioning of women. It was not a Jewish custom to include women in the genealogy 
Sorry, women, you can get mad at them. But there's something really cool about this thing. In Matthew's case, he didn't just mention one. He mentioned four women. And what's even more interesting is that the four carried at one time the stigma of social or moral outcast. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to skip right to this genealogy part. Verse 5. No. Verse 3. Judah beget Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez beget Hezron and Hezron begot Ram. Tamar was actually a Canaanite woman who was remembered for begetting two twins by her father-in-law, Judah. Because Judah was out looking for prostitutes. And she disguised herself as such. And then she tricked him later on to say, actually, I'm not. And he said, you are more righteous. The point is, is that lifestyle, what she did, was not something society, they looked at as a custom that, that they would look up to. It was a social stigma. Then you go down to verse 5, Solomon, Solomon begat Boaz by Rahab. Rahab was a harlot in the book of Joshua. She's a harlot that helped the spies get into the promised land. And God calls out a harlot. Again, interesting enough, a Canaanite woman. Her stigma in society would say, there's no way she's going to have the lineage of the Messiah. Are you kidding me? No way. And then, you run into a lady by the name of Ruth, who's a Moabite woman. Later in this verse, says, and Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz beget Obed by Ruth. And Obed beget Jesse, and Jesse beget David the king. And David the king beget Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. The wife of Uriah was Bathsheba. Again, speaking towards an adulterous woman. Ruth was a good lady, but she was not somebody that a high-standing person like Boaz would have married because she was a Moabite. Again, there was a stigma about her. Although all four women were unlikely candidates to be a part of the Messianic line. This shows, as the Apostolic Bible Study Bible states, God's plan transcended human weakness and limitation. Matthew could have named the women people admired, such as Rebecca and Rachel and Sarah, but he doesn't. He doesn't mention those women. We can stand. And what's so ironic about this whole thing is how Mary, the mother of Jesus, will carry a child, the son of God, who is not the natural son of her betrothed husband, Joseph. <laughs> you can't tell me there's not rumors about Mary. She had a child, and her and Joseph weren't even married. I mean, when she had the child, they were married, but Joseph found out she was pregnant. They haven't been married yet. God.
took a story that could easily be twisted into an adulterous affair. And then in that same lineage, he brings up four women who have a stigma in society and says there's no way the Messianic lineage will follow through these women. And yet it does. It goes to show that God is no respecter of persons. That he can take anybody from any life, any background, and any past, and he can take our weaknesses and he can make them strong. I've seen men and women prayer, my hope is that we see in this that God doesn't need us to see things work out perfectly in order for revival to take place. It doesn't have to line up in a perfect order in order for something to happen the way God wants it to happen. No, God doesn't need all that. See, God doesn't need our abilities much as he needs our availability. God can use you and God can use me to do great things. He can use our prayers to move mountains. He can complement our weaknesses with his strength. A virus won't stop revival. Politics won't stop me from telling his story just because the other person on the other side I don't agree with. Because it's not about all that. It's about their salvation. It's about them finding their maker. It's about them finding their creator. And the only way they're going to do that is if I point back to his story and go back to who he is and say he came for you. It's time for Bemidji to see the revival God wants to pour out. It's time for my loved one to be saved. It's time for my neighborhood to hear his story. It's time for people to think that Christmas is not about Santa. It's about the birth of our Savior who came and died so that I can be saved and worship him. <clears throat> That's what it's about. It's about him. So I wonder if just for a moment, we could just take a moment right now where we are. to Just pray and just ask God to minister to our circumstances, to minister to our heart, to minister to what he's trying to do in our life right now and in this place. Why don't we just worship him just for a moment? Just, just talk to God how you see fit to talk to God. Just talk to him right now. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, we glorify you. We praise your name, God. We praise your name above all names, Jesus. God, there's none like you, Jesus. There's none like you, Father. There's none like you, Father. Oh, you are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Oh, we magnify you in this place, Jesus. We magnify you in this place. God, I don't want it to be about my will, God. I don't want it to be that way. I want it to be about your will. God, I will ask and I will seek and I will knock. But God, whatever you give and whatever you show, that's what I want to be about, God. I want to be about your plan. I want to be about your process. I want to be about your revival that you want to do in this world today, God. I want to be about you, Jesus. I want to be about you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just talk to God right now. Just talk to God right now. Come on, why don't you change your prayer this morning? Why don't you change your prayer? 
why don't you add something to that prayer? God, remove COVID. But God, if you see fit for it to stay a while, a little bit longer, then God, you see fit for it to happen. But help me see, God, through your plan. Help me see through your process, God. The cross is not just an Easter thing. It's not something we don't talk about during Christmas. Because the birth of you was the purpose to go to the cross and die for us so that we could be about your will. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, why don't we just worship him? Why don't we just talk to him right now? Oh, he tore that veil. Oh, he tore that veil. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 